Aloha and welcome to the Maui Nokooi and Silver Shark Media podcast. This is Diane Woodburn, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Chef Kyle Kawakami from Maui Fresh Streetery. Welcome, Kyle. Aloha. Thank you for having us. Oh, gosh, it's a pleasure. You were the first guest of our podcast in April of 2020. I remember it well. Yeah. And the reason we chose you as, and that was five years ago, if you can believe that. It was yeah. just at the beginning of COVID. And yep. so we, we were we were in crises then. And the reason that we chose you is because you are such a wonderful voice for the Maui community. And you still are. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, thank you for everything you've done. So at, at this time, when, again, you know, our, our community is in crisis, it's you that, that we turn to to talk to. Oh, thank you. So uh, we want to hear your insights. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, we don't want to do a play-by-play thing on the fires or the suffering, but I do know that you are one of the many leaders that came to help our community in this time of need. And I mean, talk a little bit about, I guess, the beginning and how do you, how do you jump in? When the fires hit, I was in quarantine and I was, I was just getting over COVID. And so I, I, I was kind of stuck indoors and watching it all unfold. So for the first, like two or three days, I was kind of like handcuffed because I couldn't get out of my quarantine. I was just stuck. I was like, okay, I, I'm, I can't react. I, I wanted to so badly. I, you know, the big red is sitting out next outside and ready to roll into action. And I'm kind of big red is able to, just in case. big red is, is our food truck for my fresh streetery. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I felt kind of hopeless. That's one of the few times where I felt like, man, I want to get out there. I want to get into the, into the mix and get in there and start helping people. But I, you know, felt it was kind of my responsibility to sort of see out the, the quarantine for a few days before jumping in. So once I cleared and I, you know, after about two days, probably by about Thursday, I was clear to kind of get back into, into the mix and, and start interacting and sort of by that time, a lot of other chefs had kind of stepped up to the plate. And, you know, what I do is just a small portion of what the bigger picture is here on the island with our culinary scene and and what was taking place. And, you know, I was fielding a lot of phone calls and, and sort of trying to help as much as I could for those first two days from the sidelines. But really, you know, actions had already started within, you know, 12 to 24 hours with, chefs organizing over at the at the UHMC Culinary Arts uh, building. Right. And yeah. so that was kind of the, ba- the base jump off point for food organization. And it remained right. that way, you know, through a few months worth of, of, of efforts. And, and, you know, I got to, you know, really give a shout out to people like Chef Sheldon, Simeon and, and Greg Shepard and, and Isaac Bancaco and, and, uh, Brian Etheridge and Zach Sato, all you know, our culinary pillars within our community that stepped up and were immediately calling, you know, their resources and and putting together efforts to get 
people food. You know, within those that first days, you know, thousands of meals were already going out to some of the shelters. You know, um, right. You know, this is this is before even the efforts of World Central Kitchen and Chef Hui, which were the bigger players that stepped in to kind of take the lead a week in. And um, I was actually scheduled to do a huge uh, a catering golf tournament uh, that weekend on Saturday. And so, mm. you know, the, the, I had all the supplies and the food and everything ready to go for this golf tournament. The uh, sponsors of the golf tournament called me and said, hey, uh, you know, we don't feel comfortable hosting this tournament at this time, but we'd like the food to go where it needs to go. And that was oh, kind of great. my... Yeah, that was my green light to just act. Yeah, so so our next call went out to try and figure out. And so I, I contacted um, Chef Gavin Utrillo from um, Chopingo, executive chef out there. Oh, and good. I knew he lived out. I knew he lived out there. And luckily, I was able to connect with him because he had evacuated his family out. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, I, Chef Gavin, I, I want to get out. And I want to get this food out to people. People were scared and people didn't want to loot, get stuck on this the central side of the island. They wanted to stay near their homes that were still standing. There was a, a big movement to help people stay near their homes, even um, yeah. with the housing yep. and so forth. And um, and then, you know, we, we moved into a... I don't even a, a greater sense of community in in getting past the initial crisis and um you know and, and it evolved into you know lots of community efforts to help and so let kind of talk a little bit about you know how you know moving forward we um we've had so many community efforts uh, I know you and I met at uh, a dinner that was at the four seasons for, I think that one was a Sally Pepe dinner, but they did these pop-up dinners yep. where um, I think Four Seasons actually provided the space, they provided the food, they provided the wait staff, and it was for each of the restaurants um, that had, had basically lost everything. Yeah, those dinners were really cool. So um, like you were saying, the Four Seasons kind of stepped up to the plate and you know, people around the island were so driven to help but a lot of them weren't really sure how to help yeah and so you know th there was you know tons of volunteers in in the, the community kitchens and and donations and 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 cash you know or you know monetary donations going into different areas and i think within our restaurant community here on the island it's so close-knit and people really wanted to to check in on restaurant tours and restaurant people to see how they were doing. And so, the, you know, the four seasons, a uh, series of dinners, which was, was a way for um, our chefs that lost uh, restaurants and homes. And it was, a, it was, not only is it just, was that a monetary kind of fundraising effort, but, uh, you know, I think your listeners and people don't realize restaurant people, especially chefs and cooks, you know, this is what we do for a living. We we, we, we cook and we cook for people. And, and it was definitely a, a, a healing event yeah. for a lot of these chefs because it was a way for them to get back into a kitchen and cook. 
and do what they love. Mm -hmm. That's what moved me most about those dinners was not only the food, but the, but, uh, the community. I mean, we were there supposedly for the food, but we were really there for the community and everybody knew everybody, and so many hugs and catching up and how are you? Yeah, it was a way for it was a way for the chefs to get back and do what they love, which was cooking, and then see the customers' faces that they were familiar with, <clears throat> visiting the restaurants for so many years, and um, you know a lot of tears and a lot of hugs and laughs along the way, and those are you know things like that are definitely healing. Yeah, and and we're still we're still healing i mean it's still it's it's been a oh, while now but it's still it's it's still a thing and you know it, it comes to mind that you know that first podcast that we did with you we were just sort of reeling from covid and how that affected not just the community but the business environment well how do you feel going forward now that the the business environment is doing i mean how are you how are other chefs uh, dealing with this balance between, you know, serving the community and actually trying to keep their businesses running. Oh, that's a that's a tough question. That's a, because I think every restaurant or every chef kind of has a different situation. So, like, I can kind of really only speak for myself in that, like, like for me and Maui Fresh Treatery and just being kind of a small business, we haven't opened since August. So we've actually been closed. I, I, you know, during the holidays, I had a couple Christmas parties that we did um, that were on our calendar of events, but we haven't opened to the public to actually do a, a day of service since the fires broke out. We've just pretty much put all our efforts into assisting with disaster relief. And, and so... We're hoping, you know, come come back around in February, late late January to early February, we'll be able to kind of start getting back to something where we get back open, um, but also balance community relief efforts because, you know, this, uh, unlike COVID, which, you know, COVID was, infrastructure was in place and businesses, yeah, okay, you know, we uh, the first COVID, there was so much uncertainty within the first six months to a year but after about a year people started seeing like okay uh you know we're kind of getting back to something a little normal and we're kind of opening up here and there and you know whether you you know wanted to you know take the side of of how serious it was or how not serious it was it was kind of up to you but you know we were kind of by 20 late mid 2021 to 2022 we're sort of rebounding in terms of economically on the island i would say you know like numbers were looking right. great and, and 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 tourists were coming you know the, the, it seemed like the island was bustling all the way to 2022 into the beginning of 2023 which is last year and so i, I felt like you know you know covid we kind of worked through those initial uncertain scare months with this whole uh, lahaina disaster i think the reality of the length and the expanse of the disaster is a little bit more it's more certain it's it's weak it's tangible versus covid which was sort of intangible we didn't know with lahaina mm -hmm. we know there's nothing there 
you know, we've lost, the island has lost, what is it, 30% of the economic driving businesses on island. Yeah. Yeah, and then the people that lived in, the, in that area are now, you know, struggling day to day and, and week to week to, to get stability. And, and, you know, I think early on we, we, we used the term, it's, it's, this is going to be a marathon, not a race to keep the island together because we're not even a half a year into post-disaster and we're still uncertain about how to clear the, the, the area and how to move and start breaking things down in that area. And then, you know, it's, I mean, you have to look at building roads and putting in power and reestablishing water and how do people build and what do what does that community see as the vision for rebuilding and rebirth it's 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 i think you know we're looking where covid was you know 3 years ago we're we're not going to see lahaina coming back for probably you know 5 years maybe longer I think, you know, maybe longer, I, I would but hope. you've been doing, yeah, yeah you've been, you mentioned that you haven't opened your business yet because you are still continuing to support the community. How, how many meals do you think you've cooked and given away over this period of time? Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's different than COVID number because COVID we were doing meal preps, going out to our kupuna and those that were, uh, socially isolated and in areas that couldn't get out to get meals. So we had counts of meals. With the fires, the effort to um, support people has evolved uh, very quickly and very uh, in different phases. So the the initial uh, two to three weeks we were actually taking the food truck out into Lahaina town and getting people fed in, in that community out that I spoke of. And so, you know, we were doing 300, 400, 500 meals. You know, we worked with Chef Gavin. We also worked with uh, Chef Sheldon Kimian of Tiffany's and Tin Roof. You know, his wife is from that, that community. So he wanted to get out to that area and feed people. So we took him and yeah. his crew from Tiffany's out there. And so that was, uh, you know, that was the, the hot food effort. And then by week two or three, the big players, like I mentioned earlier, the World Central Kitchen, the Red Cross, Chef Hui kind of took over the, the effort. They sort of took the baton and were, you know, I think at one point they were producing 10,000 to 12,000 meals a day. And so, yeah. uh, being a food truck, you know, being a food truck and only making four hundred, we felt like okay, the, the the hot food side going out to the communities is kind of covered. Like four hundred versus twelve thousand is, is, you know, the it does it didn't make sense for us to, you know, just do four hundred dinners. So, mm -hmm. so we let so we let the bigger players sort of take over that effort of providing the immediate hot food and we kind of here we go with that word again uh, but it was the word from covid we pivoted and mm -hmm. uh and, and and figured tried to look at what areas of the community were not being serviced and so that's where we pivoted and 
And we recognized that there were displaced families here in central and south Maui um, living with extended families. So, you know, a family of four here in Kahului that had relatives that lost homes now jumps to a family of 19 under one roof. Yeah. And a right. family of eight had tw- had 27 people living. They, you know, they had they have tents out in the yard and are sharing living space. So we identified these families that are now taking on such a huge financial strain in terms of having to support so many family members uh, mm-hmm. that are now living with them. And so that's where we started probably after about a month a month into it. So probably around September, we started something, uh, we call it a chef driven dinner box. And so during COVID, I don't know if you remember during COVID, the CSA boxes that would go out to people, right. um, sure. yeah, community, com- community support boxes. Um, one thing yeah, that I, form. that I learned, yeah, yeah. One thing that I learned from COVID was these boxes a lot of times would go to people and it would be, you know, things that farms would send extra of, but it didn't really make sense. So like you'd get two onions, a pound of rosemary, uh, some rhubarb, <laughs> uh, a couple, you know, you'd have to really, really look at it and, and be an iron chef to figure out how to make food out of these boxes. And so mm. that's where I wanted, to, that's where I wanted to make a change. And I said, let's give this a little thought. And, try to support families that need support by providing them with boxes that made sense. And so that's where we, uh, I, I partnered with um, Auntie Kamiki Carter and, and she was my primary partner during COVID for the whole Kokuo Meals Initiative. So she was our, she was the one that we worked with to distribute to the kupuna so she was my outreach arm during covid well within within 12 hours of the fire you know we were messaging other each other already and she's like are you ready and i was like yeah i'm ready like it was mm-hmm. just like we were on the same wavelength it's like okay here we go it's time to reactivate our efforts and so he is an active uh founding person of the maui rapid response uh group Oh, and yeah, we so just talked about my rapid response. Yeah, yep. So they're a nonprofit that does, you know, was initially set up to assist our, our homeless population. It evolved into supporting these families that were strained. And so she started doing the outreach effort. Um, and they're still doing outreach. They're still doing. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, during the first couple months, we were doing weekly, I think we're, we're, right now supporting about 40 families that are you know strained financially and and we're supporting them through these mm-hmm. dinner boxes and so initially it started off doing once a week and it was every week we we're you know we were working with farms and you know maui cattle and kumu farms and snj bakery and the maui food bank and i'd go to the food bank and see what was available and then you know, through our efforts, through our Kukuo Meals initiative, we reactivated our, our Venmo accounts. And so people would donate via electronically and we would use these funds to create these dinner boxes. So like maybe a dinner box might be spaghetti. And so it would have 10 pounds of Maui cattle ground beef and 
spaghetti sauce and pasta noodles and fresh bread from SNJ Bakery and Parmesan cheese and garlic and onions. And then it would also have other household items like uh, cases of spam and cases of eggs. So where, Kyle, fresh where did where from. did this food come from? Um, we were bu- we were we were buying uh, a bit of it. Yeah, we would actually use donated monies to buy purchase it but we would also look to industry partners so i figured you know we might as well make this a circular thing and being able to support local businesses so that's why you know when we buy beef we buy maui cattle beef because if we're going to buy it you know they'll give us a good price on it because they know it's going to the relief effort but we're also supporting a local business you said you're you're able to purchase purchase the the food items yourselves through donations. How do people contribute to this effort? So that was through our Kokua Meals Initiative. So the same uh, Venmo account that we activate, we activated during COVID that kept mm-hmm. um, the, the Kupuna Meals going for, you know, 18 months. Uh, it was the same, same effort. So you know, we, we just so tell, reactivated tell, uh, that. Tell in- listeners, um, let us uh, tell our listeners if they want to donate to your effort to feed people, because this is a, a direct effort. You know, you're going to, you take the money, yep. you buy the food, you get it to people in need. How do they do yep. that? Where is it on your website? Uh, it's on our social media site, but uh, if they do want to, it's, it's, it's uh, our Venmo account and it's at, my first name, so it's K-Y-L-E, and then a dash, and then my last name, which is Kawakami, K-A-W-A-K-A-M-I, dash one. And so it's Kyle dash Kawakami dash one. And then when they look at it, there's a big a picture of my big red food truck there, so they know that that's the one. And okay. uh, yeah, you know, they can make a they can make a donation that way. And, and the money is, like I said, we try to support local businesses. So of course, you know, some things, of course, Costco is we is always better to buy in bulk. Um, mm-hmm. You know things like rice. We buy rice from Costco, and but you know if, if we're buying fresh produce, we try to buy it from our our local farms. And if we're buying meats, we try to you know support Maui Nui venison and and Maui cattle. And again, same thing with our our bakery, with local bakery. And then of course, you know we we the food bank has been huge. The Maui food bank and the crew out there they gave us access to their supplies so we would go out there and find you know things like canned goods you know we were able to get canned goods so that we could stockpile their their home kitchens with food oh cool yeah because you were mentioning that one of the issues was balancing the the food boxes that were being given mm-hmm. out so you weren't getting a a box of rosemary and a, and a yeah and so, yeah I, I, so, the, the way we looked at it the way we looked at it was for me to make, you know, 300 hot meals, it would take me, you know, three to four days of prep and cooking and packing and, you know, packaging and chilling um, to make that many meals. And 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 the, I guess the way I looked at it was, okay, I'm, I'm using all my efforts, you know, three days worth of efforts, sometimes four, to make 300 meals that would go to people and yes, it would be food that they could eat immediately, but then, you know, you eat a meal and what happens tomorrow. And maybe if you're a small, if you're a small eater, maybe you get two meals out of it because we're pretty generous, Mm -hmm. but what happens 
in 24 hours when your meal container is empty. Now it takes me another four days to get meals to them. Then, you know, there's this big gap lag of meals. And so that's why we kind of were watching the situation and okay, people are getting into, you know, Airbnbs that have kitchens or they're being housed with family that have kitchens. And so we looked at it as okay, okay, instead of using those four days, I can do four days worth of shopping and, and pack. And so pretty much what we do is we pack the food truck filled with canned goods and fresh produce. And then on a specific night, we contact our families that we're supporting. They come out and we package these meals. And, you know, sometimes during the holidays, like Thanksgiving, they got a whole turkey and a whole ham and stuffing uh-huh. and cranberry, al- along with, you know, a case of eggs and milk and fresh produce and what what we try to design is the way I look at it is if I can make a box to go to a family that it can make breakfast lunch and dinner for 10 people for three days that was the, that wow. was my initial intent because I looked at it as okay if I I feed 10 people breakfast lunch and dinner that's breakfast lunch dinner that's 30 meals in one day times three days so that was 90 meals per box that would go to a family and we were supporting 40 families. So my four day effort to package these boxes hopefully yielded about 3,600 meals. <laughs> a lot more efficient. If, if you, if, if you do the math versus, yeah. versus four, three to 400 hot meals, you know, you're sense. almost not nine times the amount of food if they cook it themselves versus uh, me cooking it for them. Awesome. So you, you mentioned, Kyle, that, that um, you're going to try to get your business back on its feet maybe in a month, uh, maybe this month, maybe next month, but, you know, soon. Yes. How is it looking out there to, to do that? I mean, how do you approach your business plan during recovery and I, I mean, getting people, uh, staffing is so difficult and what, and other chefs I'm sure are, uh, facing the same problems for even the restaurants that are operating. That's a huge issue. It was a challenge during COVID and it becomes even more of a challenge. Now I'm super fortunate in that I'm, I'm like, I'm not even a small business. I'm like a micro business. <laughs> like <laughs> I, it, it's me, it's me. I have one employee that comes on to help me. Uh, on on the days when we open and I my son helps me out and my wife helps me out uh, you know when we get into service and that's it like I mean sometimes it's just me and my one employee so like we can operate we've operated for 10 years with just the two of us so I'm I'm kind of a different I'm, I where I operate outside the fold and the crease of everybody else but for other businesses you know that are man it's it's um it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get employees. It was already hard to find employees after COVID because so many people in the restaurant industry left during COVID. And now not only is it a struggle to find employees, but you know, those that were working are dealing with a lot of mental and social trauma from the whole incident. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of, you know, PTSD and, and issues to like, try and get back in you know something that you know visitors and residents you know sort of need to remember we, we want to support 
um, our businesses and our restaurants and encouraging people to please, you know, go to the restaurants, um, but also have patience um, and remember yeah. that, you know, maybe maybe your server is dealing with a lot of trauma. Maybe your server is um, or the people in the kitchen that are cooking, you know, maybe they're having moments where just life is difficult um, to to it's, it's not a snap back at it kind of thing when you go through such a tremendous um, event such as these fires um, that were not, yeah. not just in Lahaina, yeah. but in Kula. It was an island-wide event and, um, yeah, and it affected us island-wide. So, I mean, maybe that's a, a good note to sort of think about is, you know, to ask our listeners to, you know, be have some kokua, you know, have have some uh, empathy for the people that are trying to get back at it because uh, it isn't easy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's um, it, it, you know, and I think there's been a lot of effort in that, in that region. Like, you know, I've participated in things with Hawaiian Airlines where it's like a Malama Maui sort of ad campaign and I'm kind of in the process of working possibly with the Hawaii Visitors Bureau to, you know, mm-hmm. be a, uh, an ambassador for the island and, and talk about, you know, how do how do people visit the island responsibly and with an open heart? And, you know, it, it was something we dealt with during COVID, you know, and not, even more so now because it's, it, there's, a, there's a sensitivity issue with people. You know, like you said, you know, your server might have lost loved ones or, or could be living in a hotel and going home to a hotel room every night and not having a home because they lost their home. And sometimes I think people think it sounds glamorous. Well, you're living at the Hyatt Regency. But, you know, if you've ever gone on vacation for an extended period of time, it gets really tiring living out of a suitcase and without any kind of stability. You don't have a, a, a kitchen to cook a meal in. And you don't have, you know, you're just living in one room with maybe four people. And it's, it's very challenging. And I think, um, you know, if, if, if listeners out there that are, are visitors to the island can come with an open heart and a bit of empathy for our island and its people, I think that's important to, to stress that, you know, it's, it's, the island is going to be undergoing this recovery for quite a few years, I think. And, and it's right. going to be important to keep, keep bringing it up. And we, we, we certainly welcome visitors and we want we want yeah, people to most come. definitely. We we yep. need the support. Our businesses need the support. And um so we, we do have open arms here, but we just ask yes, you know, we ask for for understanding and um we ask for the an embrace back, I guess is the best way yeah. to put it. Yep, yeah. most definitely. I think that's like you said, it's it's um you know, give a little love and aloha back to the island that provides so much aloha to begin with right yes this is the yeah. place of aloha <laughs> still a, it's an incredible island it's still our island and it's you know like you said we welcome our our visitors and guests and we hope that they come and spend a lot of money in our on our small businesses and, and 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 enjoy themselves but at the same time you know kind of recognize the the issues that are going on yeah so kyle if if um people want to follow you on social media and learn more about Maui Fresh Streetery and when you'll reopen and where you're going to have the big red arced. Um, how can they follow you? Sure, we're on we're on Facebook and Instagram at Maui Fresh Streetery. You can't miss it. Look for the look for the big red truck. We call it Big Red. 
and you know we we do a lot of updates i'm pretty active on social media so i'm uh, you know updating whenever we do our cuckoo meals drives and any kind of relief efforts i always try to post because i like to let people that have donated to us know that their monies are getting put to use i think that's important that you know like if, if you're donating you know we're making the effort to get those funds directly to you know purchase food for people yeah you've been you've been awesome kyle you're always you're always uh you know there for maui for our community so uh, I suggest if you're listening and you want to file to fo- follow Kyle, uh, do go to Maui Fresh Streetery and it's S T R E A T E R Y. Um, or if you if you're comfortable, you can donate directly at Kyle K Y L E dash Kawakami. That's K A W A K A M I dash with the numeral one. Um, so that's correct. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. Um, so good to talk to you. It was nice talking with you as well. I just wanted to kind of close it out and just say thank you to all those people that have donated to us and, 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 and whether it's even not be to us and have donated to something that supported the island, the Maui Food Bank, Tapui, um, the Hawaii Community Foundation. I know people around the world mm-hmm. listen to you folks in your podcast, and I just want to from somebody that lives here and is a small business owner, I just wanted to say mahalo to everybody that, that that's given some kokua and love to our island because um, it's definitely felt and it's, it means a lot for us to know that uh, people care out there. And um, we're working hard to you know bring back Maui to uh, the glory that it, that it is. It still is. Yes, it still is. There's no place in the world like it. And, and, you know, this is just one thing that we'll work through. And we're working hard as a community to, you know, heal people and get people back to work and, and get people, to get, get the community rebuilt. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mahalo. Mahalo, Nui, uh, to you and to all our listeners who have helped and to the world in general who have helped and um, we hope to see you all here on Maui and supporting uh, Kyle and other small businesses that uh, appreciate. So mahalo Kyle. Thank you for being with us. Aloha.